Father, we just thank you that we can be here this morning. We thank you that we're not just here this morning, but we thank you that you're here this morning. God, we recognize that our purpose for being here today isn't just wrapped up in us. Really, it's wrapped up in you and your goodness and your faithfulness. I pray that our very presence and being here today, God, our, our very reason for being in these seats this morning and leaning in this morning would be to honor you, to praise you, and to glorify you. And in that process, God, I pray that you would be pleased with everything that's said this morning, that's done this morning. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us, God. And as we move into this Thanksgiving season, this Thanksgiving week, God, I pray that gratitude and thankfulness would just rise up out of our hearts. It would be on our lips, God. Thanksgiving and gratitude toward you, toward the people in our world, and for all of the good things that you've done in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like I said, it is Thanksgiving week and it feels like it's kind of popped up out of nowhere. Does anybody else feel like it just suddenly is Thanksgiving and like we didn't know it was coming? Like sometimes it just feels that way. Let me ask it this way. How many people have already put up your Christmas tree? Okay. So we know there are a few strange people amongst us today. Just kidding. If you already have your Christmas tree up, let me just, and you're playing Christmas music in your house, let me just tell you we'll have some prayer teams right down front after the service. Just kidding. My wife was telling me last night, she says, you know what, if I wasn't so tired, I think I would put my Christmas tree up right now and just start decorating. And I'm like, no, we, we wouldn't do that. Um, let's eat a turkey first and then let's, let, she's arguing with me right now. <laughs> but you know what's funny, as we move into Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving moves us right into the Christmas season, and man, this is such a special time of year. And I think, you know, if you've been around the bridge for a while, the last few years, you've probably heard me say this, but I'm just becoming more and more sentimental with every year that goes by. I appreciate Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays more and more every single year. And I think one of the reasons why, I know it's not just because I'm getting a year older every single season, but I think it's also because now that I have two young kids of my own, I look back on my Thanksgiving memories, on my Christmas memories, and I kind of see my kids and I see this blank canvas of things that they get to experience that they've yet to experience, and I want them to have all of those special memories and experiences that I had. I want Thanksgiving to be meaningful, for Christmas to be meaningful to them. And so every time I see them and knowing that they have all these years in front of them, I guess there's this thing in my heart that rises up and says, let's make sure that our holiday seasons are special, that there's real gratitude in our hearts at Thanksgiving, that Christmas is all about giving and not just receiving, and that we keep Jesus at the center of it all. And my heart feels like it's growing in that way. And you know, with Thanksgiving being here, this is a time of year where, you know, we tend to push pause or maybe even a full stop for many of us. We gather with our family. Maybe you'll have friends as well. Maybe there's certain traditions that you kind of honor and recognize when you get to Thanksgiving. No matter what that might look like for you, this is the time of year where we stop and we set aside the busyness of life and we kind of embrace and breathe in the things that really matter most. We take account and we look at all the things that are most important in our lives. We think about the things that we're thankful for. I've heard it, this, I've heard it said this way many, many times. We count our blessings. This is the time of year where we count our blessings. I want to bring you a very simple message this morning called blessed. I've heard that word bless or blessed or blessing. I've heard it used many, many times. Obviously, growing up in church, Christians, followers of Christ, we use that word all the time. And we should. It's seen in scripture from, you know, cover to cover. But I've noticed that even people who wouldn't proclaim themselves to be followers of Christ actually use that word too. I'm blessed, man. I'm just so blessed. And 
It's kind of funny. Sometimes we use that word in funny ways, you know, and we'll, we'll talk to people and talk about, you know, you're just such a blessing. You're just, you're so kind. You're so generous. You're, you're so thoughtful. You're, you're just a blessing. And on one side of my family, we kind of have this running joke because, you know, one of us, like, we'll call a cousin or an uncle or something and we'll say, hey, I'm in need of something that you have and I don't, can I borrow, you know, can I borrow your lawnmower or something? And then, you know, you use the lawnmower and you take it back and you say, thanks so much for letting me use that. And the reply is, I just want to be a blessing. I just want to be a blessing. just want to bring some blessing into your life. It's funny the way that we throw that word around sometimes, but I got to thinking, you know, what does that word really mean? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed by God? What does it mean to be a blessing to somebody else? There's a lot of different ways that people view that word, a lot of different ways that we look at that word. But what does it really mean from Scripture? Because Christians and non-Christians both say that word. How do you know when you're blessed? Can you be a non-Christian and be blessed? Is it possible to be more blessed or less blessed than somebody else? What, What does that really mean? In order to figure out what it means to be blessed, obviously we have to go to Scripture and dig it out and find it. Now, I want to take you to a couple of different places in Scripture this morning, but I want to start in the very, very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 to talk about what it means to be blessed. When we count our blessings this Thanksgiving season, we ought to know what it is that we're counting and what true blessings really are. This is God talking, or this is speaking of God and His creation right here at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. It says in verse 21 of Genesis 1, So God created sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded. There was an abundance of them, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 22, and God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. Now, we see that word blessing there. That's the very first time the word bless or blessing, blessed, is used in all of Scripture. Skip down to verse 27. We go from the birds of the sky and the sea creatures. Now we're talking about mankind and human beings. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every other live, excuse me, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see that word bless, blessed, blessing right there in Genesis chapter 1. But what does that word really mean? Again, we might use it with different ideas in mind of what a blessing is, but what does it really mean from Scripture? I was looking at this over these last few days, and one of the things that I was kind of surprised to find was that if you go back and you look at the original writings in the Hebrew, this word blessing is the word barak. And it's a word that's really hard to kind of take and put a final definition with words around. The better way to understand it is the word picture that was created. Because when we see that word in the English, we don't fully understand what was being said. In the Hebrew, there was a picture that was associated with that word barak. And the picture was simply To kneel before or to bow before God. To kneel or to bow before God. Now, if I asked you what blessing is in your life, and we're going to come and talk a little bit more about that in a few moments. If I were to ask you to make a list of blessings, to count your blessings, many of us, we would make a list of things that are blessings in our life. If we think about blessings, we think about things that God has given to us. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But to look back at the original writings and see that that word barak literally means to kneel or to bow before God, when we think about blessings, we think about things God is giving to us. But this word is talking about what we are giving to God, which is to bow and kneel and offer our life 
before him. Now, to, to understand this a little bit better, we need to go in a deeper context. If you have seen a movie or if you've read about like ancient times where there was a king who so, oversaw a kingdom, people didn't just approach a king. You didn't come before the king and just start to have a friendly conversation with the king. No, you stepped into the presence of the king with their approval and under their rules. And the thing that's interesting about this is at the very beginning in Genesis 1, there was no sin in the picture yet. So when, when God created you know, the, the birds of the air and the sea creatures, and then he goes on and he creates mankind, there is no sin. There is nothing in place to separate man from God. And so God creates it. He looks at it. He says that it's good. And essentially the picture that we see of mankind or of that, of that blessing and bowing before God is a picture of God's acceptance. It's not just a picture of God giving something to mankind as a blessing. It's a picture of mankind bowing before God, kneeling before God, and God saying, I accept this. I accept you. I accept you just as you are. Because there was no sin in that picture. Now, I say all this to simply present this to you. A lot of us think of blessing as things that God gives to us. And we'll talk about that in a moment because there's nothing wrong with it. But the very first initial blessing that we can receive, the greatest blessing that we can ever receive from God is simply to be accepted by him into his family. Amen? Now let me explain this a little bit further. You might be here this morning and you say, well, how is it that God accepts us? If you are in Christ, our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus at the cross. It was our way of receiving atonement and forgiveness when it comes to our sins. And because of that, we can blamelessly, blemishless, blemishly, Wait, that's not even a word, is it? Without blemish, we can stand before God blamelessly without sin in our lives, and God can look at us and say, I accept you. The very first thing I want to establish this morning is that blessing from God immediately, the first thing we see in Scripture, blessing from God is simply, if nothing else, his acceptance into our life, his acceptance of us into our family, his acceptance of us and who we are. After all, God did create us. But if we're in Christ, we can stand before God without shame and be accepted. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the other benefits and blessings that come from being in relationship with God. But I want to just say this this morning. If we never got anything else from God but salvation, that would still be a tremendous blessing. Someone say amen to that this morning. If we never got anything else from God, just our salvation, that would still be enough. I want to say this one more time if you're taking notes. The greatest form of blessing that we can receive in life is to be accepted by God and welcomed into his family. Now, there are other benefits that come along with being in that relationship and being accepted. And those benefits are things that we can call blessings. And we're going to talk more about that. But establishing that at the very outset is so important because throughout the course of our lives, one thing that we must always keep at the forefront of our relationship with God is that the greatest blessing we can receive is to continue to be in that relationship with him. If you are in relationship with God, you will always have everything that you ever need in this life. It won't just be about the stuff God gives you. It'll be about the fact that I know him. I'm in relationship with him. He didn't just send Jesus once, but he still wants to live in relationship with me and God can be right here. What an amazing blessing. If I never received anything else, I would still be blessed. But there's more. There's more. God wants to take care of you throughout the days of your life. He wants to bring other forms of blessing into your life. So if you continue on in Scripture, when you move away from Genesis chapter 1, what you see is that sin does enter the picture. 
And now suddenly, because of sin entering the picture, we have to establish, reestablish that relationship with God. And then you see the law come into place. You see animal sacrifice and blood for the atonement of sins. You see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see this new nation arise. And later on, this nation, it goes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Joseph. They end up in Egypt in captivity. And what was once a blessing turns into bondage. And now we arrive with Moses. And Moses comes and he takes the Israelites out of Egypt. And they're chasing after possessing this promised land that God has for me. He says, listen, there's a land that I have for you. If you'll obey me, if you'll keep my commands, if you'll walk with me, if you'll follow my statutes, I will take you in to the land that I have promised you. We find this, a portion of this story in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I want to read some of this to you this morning so that we get a better understanding of what it means to walk in the blessing of God. Deuteronomy 30 says this in verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good or death and evil. In other words, the choice is up to us. We can choose life and God's good or death and evil according to living under our own devices and our own desires. So how do we choose this road of life? Look at verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. Now this is in Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you were to look ahead in the New Testament at the ministry of Jesus, people came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of them all? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on this hang all the law and all the prophets. It's interesting, that word, that thing that Jesus talked about, loving the Lord your God, it wasn't something he came up with. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy 30 with the Old Testament Israelites. Now, let's read again in verse 16. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Now, I want to stop right here for just a second because in verse 16, he talks about blessing them to go in and possess the land that's been promised. Now, in the literal sense, God wanted to bless his people and provide for his people so that they could possess that promised land that was still in front of them. Now, that's the literal sense. But for you and I, what are the figurative things that God has promised us? I want to say to you today, no matter who you are, you might not even have walked into a relationship with God yet. God has a purpose and a plan for your life that is greater than any purpose or plan you could ever make for yourself. It's incredibly important that we all know that. But the way that we discover it is by stepping into that relationship with God and encountering God's acceptance in our life. And once we get there, we'll find out that he has a purpose and a plan. But not only that, he will provide for us every step of the way so that we can step in to his purpose and his plan. Now, in talking about provision, it's so important that we catch on to this and understand this morning that God wants to provide for you in your life every step of the way, but what he's asking of you is to keep your heart wrapped around his purposes. His purposes. And God will bring the blessing of provision to get you to the place that he's calling you. In verse 18, this is what he says. He says, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. That's if you don't follow God. In the verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, 
blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And then one more time, how do we choose life? In verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, that you may cling to him. I love where it says this earlier in verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, repeating the same thing we saw earlier. Why is it repeating that? Because the thing that God is after more than anything else is that our heart continually stays tied to him in order to receive blessing. But then he goes on and he says that you may obey his voice. Pastor Corey talked about this a few months ago in our morning services one day, and he talked about how God's love language is obedience. Like a lot of us, we have love languages, ways in which we receive love and give love. But if you could wrap up God's love language and what it is, how it is that God gives and receives love, man, he sure does respond to obedience. He's given us his word. He's given us commandments. And if we'll choose to take him at his word and obey what he's given us, God will bless us. And in the beginning, when it comes to obedience, sometimes there's this, there's this part of self-denial where we have to put aside our own agenda and choose to take God at his word. And in the beginning, that obedience can be a discipline. You know, discipline and learning a new discipline is oftentimes not very fun. But when you step into obedience with God and you choose to deny certain desires, to deny things that I'm interested in, say, God, I choose to chase after your commandments and I trust you at your word, it's amazing how God will bring blessing on the other side of our obedience. And instead of learning and walking through this thing with obedience where it's simply a discipline, suddenly obedience becomes a delight because on the other side of our obedience, there is always blessing. God wants to pour out blessing through obedience. Now, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. That you may cling to him. Have you ever had a clingy friend? Have you ever had a friend that was like way too clingy? They didn't give you enough space. They were always calling. They were always texting. They were always emailing. They wanted to hang out every waking moment of the day. Some of you are like, I used to date a person like that. Had to like let that go because I didn't want to be in a clingy relationship. It's interesting, like, if you've ever, like, known somebody that was just super, super clingy, you get to this place where you're like, man, I need some space. Like, just leave me alone. I need some air. I need some room to breathe. Like, it seems like you want something from me every single waking moment of the day. What's funny is that God will never, ever look at you and say, man, it seems like you always want something from me. It seems like you always want to spend time with me. God loves it when you bring clinginess into a relationship with him. God loves it when every single waking moment of the day we look to him and ask for his input, look for his advice, look for his wisdom. God will never ever look at you and say, why is it that you're always asking for something? God will never look at you and say, will you just leave me alone? I need a little bit of space. No, 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 let me tell you something. God loves it when we cling to him, when we look to him, when we ask from him, when we are always continually wanting to spend every single moment with him. God absolutely loves it. And can I tell you something? When we choose to cling to God, that is when we start to see blessing unfold in our lives. If there's one person in the world that you want to cling to, well, person, if there's one, someone in the world that you want to cling to, let me tell you, you want to cling to God because clinging to him always brings about blessing in your life. And he was trying to explain this to his people, to the Israelites. Love the Lord your God, obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
to give them. One of the things I love about this passage is that we see that God is making a promise. He says, I've set before you a land to go and possess. And if you will wrap your heart around me, if you will stay in that place of initial acceptance and that place of blessing, I will provide for you every single thing that you need so that the day comes that you possess the promise I've laid before you. God wants to walk you into the purposes and promises and plans that he has for you, but he wants you to stay near to him, cling to him, and make sure that your heart is wrapped around him. But sometimes when it comes to blessing, we can look at the provision and get more attached to that than the provider. And here's what I want to talk about this morning. If I were to ask you, what are the blessings that God has poured into your life today? If I was to say to you, this Thanksgiving week, count your blessings, make a list, go from top to bottom and look at all the blessings in your life. How many things would we count as blessings that are nothing more than things or possessions or stuff? Because God wants to bring possessions, maybe even possessions into our life. He wants to bring provision into our life to get us to the place that he's calling us. But sometimes what we do is we focus on the provision and get our heart off of the provider. And it's incredibly important that we keep that in balance and in proper perspective. And the second principle that I want to talk just a few moments about this morning is simply this. God's acceptance, that initial blessing, opens the door to God's provision for our life. God wants to bring provision into, your, into our life that will enable us to possess his purpose and his promises. All the provision that we will ever need in our lives comes from the initial blessing of God's acceptance. The point of this passage is really, really simple. If we can keep our hearts right before God, he will always provide what we need for the purposes he has set before us. But when it comes to God's provision, and I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for God's provision. I look back and, man, I can just see God's faithfulness. It's like a track record of my life. Thank you, God, that you've provided, that you've met all of my needs according to your riches and glory. It wasn't about my ability. It wasn't about my possession. It was about everything that you had that you gave me in order to help me fulfill the purpose that you've set before me. I'm so grateful for God's provision. But one of the things I've learned when it comes to my list of blessings is that I have to keep provision and overflow and abundance in proper perspective. I want to read this to you real quick. I jotted these notes down this morning, and I thought that maybe this would hit home with some people. It's very important that we keep provision in proper perspective. God's provision will always be attached to God's purpose. If you need provision in your life, don't seek after God's provision. Seek after God's purpose, and the provision that you need will follow. I want to say that one more time. If you need provision in your life, don't seek after God's provision. Seek after his purpose and the provision will follow. Sometimes we get so enamored with the provision that we get our hearts away from the provider. But if our lives stray away from God's purpose, then his provision begins to dry up. If we examine our lives and find that we are not pursuing God's purpose, then we will quickly realize that all the stuff we have been calling a heavenly blessing is nothing more than an earthly possession. If I asked you what the blessings are that God's poured into your life, would we get to the end of our list and look back and say, you know, I got a lot of stuff on here, some of which is provision for the purpose that God's called me to, but some of it's just stuff. One of the things that I'm learning in this life, you know, Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. It literally means super abundance, life to the fullest. 
And when we see that, there's no way we could possibly argue that God doesn't want to bring provision and abundance and overflow into our lives. But anytime God gives us overflow, we, stop, we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, do I have more than enough because I'm supposed to hold on to all this? Or have you given me more than enough so that I can be a blessing to somebody else? I promise you right now that God will never bring about a blessing or provision into your life that begins to kick him off the throne of your life. And when we look to God for provision, he wants to give it to us as long as we are always chasing after the purpose that he's set before us. It's important that we understand that. Does God want to bring overflow and abundance into your life? Yeah, but it's not so that we can be hoarders of God's blessing. It's so that we can be dispensers of God's blessing. God, you've given me what I need. I have a little bit more. Who needs some help too? That's what God is asking us to do. And that's what a blessed life truly looks like. We have to be careful that our provision doesn't become a possession. We have to be careful that our provision doesn't become a possession. If I asked you again the things that you're thankful for, how many of those things would we say, yeah, God's blessed me with that, but at the end of the day, they're, not, they're, they're, they're just possessions. They're things that will be here today and gone tomorrow. I think one of the greatest signs of a blessed life is somebody who's willing to part with something that they have at any time. Like God gave this to me, so really it's not mine. That means that if somebody else needed it, I'm willing to part with it. I think that's always an initial sign of a blessed life. How much is our heart for God wrapped up in his provision rather than being wrapped around him, the provider? So when you stop this week to count your blessings and think about everything that you're thankful for, be thankful for God's acceptance and his provision and take a moment to make sure that the things you possess aren't possessing you. Sometimes people ask this question. They say, well, you know, is it okay for me to have this? Is it okay for me to have that? Is it okay for me to go and buy this or, or buy that? And at the end of the day, it, the question is, is it okay for me to have stuff? Is it okay for me to have things and certain possessions? And there's this old saying that we have in the church where we say, it's okay to have stuff as long as the stuff doesn't have you. God is looking to provide for our needs according to his riches and glory. The question is, have we attached our lives to his purpose so that we can see his provision come through as well? So this, this week, as you look ahead and you thank God for all the blessings in your life, stop and thank him for the things that he has given to you that are true provision for the purpose which he's called you to. But take this opportunity to also ask yourself the question, is this a good opportunity for me to cut out some things that might just be excess and clutter in my life? Things that were originally provision that have now just become clutter and possession. Maybe there's some things that you can do that would get the ball rolling down the road to be a blessing to somebody else because God has blessed us to be a blessing. That leads me to the final thought this morning. This is where I want to spend the rest of our time today. Over the last few days, there's been one particular passage of Scripture that has been in my heart really heavily. And as I began to prepare the message for this morning, one of the things that I found was that in preaching through this message, I was like preaching at myself and looking at this passage of Scripture. I know a lot of us, when we get to Thanksgiving, when we get to the holidays, we talk about how blessed we are. And oftentimes, like I said, we, we define our blessings by the things that we have, our possessions. But I know that there's got to be people that would walk into church today, and as you walk into Thanksgiving, you might look at your list of things that you're thankful for, list of blessings in your life, and you might say, and I feel like this year my list keeps getting shorter and shorter. You might feel like you're going through a hard time. You might feel like you're low on provision. You might feel like you're low on the things that you need. You might feel like you're still waiting on God to come through in some area of your life. 
I want to tell you today that even if you came in here heavy-hearted today because you don't have everything that you're believing for, that doesn't mean that God isn't still blessing your life. I want to talk a little bit about this this morning because it's so important that our heart doesn't get wrapped around provision, but it stays wrapped around the provider. Jeremiah wrote these amazing words in Jeremiah 17, and he was speaking to a nation of people who were caught up in idolatry, who were essentially living in captivity because they had forsaken the blessing of God in their life. And these are the words that Jeremiah wrote. Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. He says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. What do you do if you're lacking provision? What do you do if you feel like you don't have enough? It's amazing how in the world in which we live, we have defined success by all the stuff that we have. I'm going to shout out to my Connect group real quick. Last month, our Connect group was meeting and we just kind of stumbled into this conversation and one of the questions that somebody in our group asked was they said, what's the definition of success anyway? Like who says when you're living a successful life? It's kind of like asking, who says what real blessing really is? And as we were sitting around talking about this idea of success, we went down the line and it was like every single couple in our group came back to this idea that the world defines success by how much debt you have in order to make things look good in your life by how many car payments you, you can afford, by how big your house payment is, by how much money is in your bank account, by how well your retirement funds are set up, by how, how, how well and successful your business seems to be doing, by how many friends that you have. It seems like we measure success in this world according to all of this stuff. And we were sitting there talking as a connect group, and it was so interesting to listen to couple after couple after couple talked about how exhausted they were from running that paper chase and that rat race, continually trying to live a life that the world deems as successful, and at the end of the day, feeling so completely unsatisfied. Why is it that the world seems to have this definition for success that seems to take you in a wrong direction? I don't understand it. Why is that? It's because true success and true blessing is not dependent upon the stuff that we have. And in Jeremiah 17, he says, the man who puts his strength in the man in man is cursed. When he looks at his own strength and says, I will build the life that I can build for myself according to my own strength and according to my own abilities, you're cursed because there's absolutely no room for God to get involved in that mindset and in that heart. And then he goes on and he says some other things that are really interesting. Look at verse 7. He says, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose help, or excuse me, whose hope is The Lord, if you look at that word hope and you look at this in a different translation like the New Living or the Amplified, it takes that definition and it stretches it out. It says, blessed is the man whose hope and confidence is in the Lord. And pastor teaches about this all the time in our church. Oftentimes when we think about about that word hope, we think wish. We think, well, God, if you were ever going to hear one of my prayers and if you were going to answer one of them for me ever, if you could like do something, you know, best case scenario, what I would hope and wish that you would do for me would be this. But instead, what that word originally means is not wish. It means confident expectation. And you might be here today and you find yourself in this place where you're like, I don't have all the things that the world deems a success. And you might be holding in your hand nothing right now but believing that God's going to provide. According to what Jeremiah says, you are blessed. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we see this amazing um, 
this amazing definition of what faith is. And when we talk about faith in our church, we always go back to this passage. It says in Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the substance of what we hope for. It's the evidence of what we do not yet see. So in other words, faith or hope or confident expectation is when right now I'm believing and hoping and being confident about something that I do not yet possess. And I can be living in a world where everybody else seems to be achieving the things that the world deems to be successful, but right now as a follower of Christ, holding nothing in my hand except hope and confidence that one day God is going to come through. And we look at that sometimes and we say, according to the way the world lives, that's not successful. But according to what God's word says, you are in the most blessed position possible because you've put all of your hope, all of your faith, and all of your confidence in him. Can I get an amen this morning? Is there anybody awake today? And see, as we move into Thanksgiving week, if you've measured your, your blessings, if you've measured how blessed you are according to what other people have and according to what you don't, Maybe we've missed the point of what it truly means to be blessed. Jeremiah says, if you're in this place where you don't have anything, you've got to realize that you absolutely have everything because everything you have is counting on God to come through for you. And when I told you this morning that I was preaching to myself, I'm going to just give you this example real quick because, man, this comes from so deep in my heart. Last year... My wife and I, we were just sitting around talking about some things that we're believing for, that we're hoping for, that we want to see God do in our life. And, you know, you reach this point where you feel like your limitations just come to the surface and you're like, man, the stuff that we're believing for and that we want God to provide for us, like, we're just not there. We can't provide it for ourselves, God. We just have to hope and trust that you're going to come through. And I'll never, ever forget, at the beginning of 2016, I got my giving statement in the mail from the church. And, you know, we choose to honor God with our tithe and, with tithes and offerings. We give to God the first tenth every single time. Before I pay a single bill, we tithe. That's what we do. It's what God has asked us to do. And I don't say that to say, hey, I'm great and everybody else. No, it's what God has asked all of us to do. And I'll never forget when I got that giving statement, I looked at it. And when I saw the number at the bottom, it shouldn't have, like, shocked me or surprised me. But I saw how much it was at the end of the year. And I looked at my wife and I said, don't you wish we had that much money in our, bank, in our savings account right now? Has anybody ever done that before? <laughs> I'm like, don't you wish that we had that in our savings account right now? And like from the bottom of my heart, I said that to her just as honest as I could because my whole feeling was like, God, there's so much that we're believing you for. There's so much that we're expecting and hoping that you're going to do in the future. It's like, babe, don't you wish we had that much in our savings account? And man, it was like just, with, 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 just welling up inside with tears in my eyes. And my wife looks at me and she says, but we do. I can't withdraw from it. I can't go and check the current balance of it. I can't ask God how much interest he's added to it. And I don't know when he's gonna, he's gonna bring about the provision that we're believing for and we're asking for. But the thought that I had when I got to this place and I was thinking about this was, have you ever watched those dudes play poker on TV? It's like when they get just a decent hand, what do they do? I'm all in. They push every single one of their chips to the center of the table. They don't know what's going to happen next when here come the other cards. But what's so great about it is that you and I as followers of Christ, we have been dealt the greatest hand possible. We are redeemed by Jesus. The blood of Jesus has washed us clean. We are accepted by God. And when I think about that blessing that I have right there, we've reached this place in our life where it's like, I can't look around and find anywhere where I have the ability and the confidence and the strength in and of myself to provide the things that I'm believing for. We have pushed all of our chips to the center of the table and said, God, 
all of my hope is in you. All my confidence is in you. Everything I'm believing for is right there. There's nowhere else I can possibly look. And I know that there are many of you here today that you're in the exact same place because you feel lacking in and of yourself to provide for the things that are in your heart. But if you have pushed all of your chips to the center of the table with God, let me tell you, you are in the best possible place to be because blessed is he who puts his hope and his confidence in the Lord because our God is always entirely faithful. We have to understand that what this scripture is literally telling us is that even though right now we might feel like we have nothing in our hands, we have everything we need even if the world says that it's not enough. Everything that we need. And we as the people of God, we need to stop walking around so gently and softly as if we just, we're lacking and we don't have enough. No, we are in Christ. We have everything we will ever need and all provision is available to, him, to us when our heart is wrapped around his purposes. It's so amazing how that stands right there with that whole concept of faith. Faith is I'm, I'm believing to receive the thing that I don't yet have. And even though my hands are empty, I'm in perfect position to obtain the thing that God is going to do. Amen? Now let's read the rest of this passage because this is so good. Look at verse 8, Jeremiah 17. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease yielding fruit. There are a lot of us, even as Christians, that we look around and we say, well, is the housing market going to stay up? Is it going to go back down? Is it a good time to sell? Is it a good time to buy? What do I do with my investments? Oh, Lord, we've been through this once before. Can I tell you something? If you have planted your roots in, in the Lord and in his word and in his promises, it doesn't matter what drought you might ever go through. It doesn't matter what you might ever walk through because God is going to be with us. He's going to provide for us no matter what because we've attached our heart to his purposes. You know what's so beautiful about this is, you know, when we look at people who the world deems as successful, we look at the sources of that success and we look at the stuff that they have and we can tangibly say, well, it's because they got this great business and they got this great job and they're making all this money. But it's interesting because this says that when we're blessed by God, when we put our hope and our confidence in him, it's like we're a tree planted by streams of water. What's so cool about this is that we look at these big, huge trees and we see how big and magnificent and how gloriously tall they are, but we never see how big their roots are underground. When we go through seasons of drought as Christians, but we still continue to bear fruit, the world around us might look at us and say, well, how in the world are you doing that? It's because you can't see how far these roots go down in God's word. You have no idea how long I've been putting my faith in God. And it doesn't matter what season might come my way. I know that God is going to continue to bless me and make me fruitful. Why? Because I've wrapped my heart around his purposes, so therefore he will continue to provide. Amen? We have to be those kind of people. Put all your hope and all your confidence in the Lord. If you're at this place, again, where you feel empty-handed and you've pushed all your chips to the middle, the middle of the table, and you might feel like you have nothing, but you got everything you need because God's gonna be right there for you. You're in perfect position to be blessed by God. How do we find God's provision? Not by seeking after the provision, but by staying attached to the provider. True blessing isn't found in provision. It's found in knowing the provider. True blessing isn't found in just receiving gifts. It's found in knowing the giver. True blessing isn't found in just being rewarded. It's found in knowing the rewarder. True blessing isn't found in just being healed. It's in knowing the healer. 
There's somebody here today, you're believing God for healing and you need to, you need to let go of how quickly the healing's gonna come and you need to seek after the healer because that's when the healing begins to come. There's some of you here today that you're wondering, can God still heal? Take off, find out who God is, his character. God is a healer. If you seek after the healer, you will receive healing today in Jesus' name. True blessing isn't found in just the creation. It's found in knowing the creator because knowing him and being accepted by him is the beginning of all blessing. Just two quick thoughts to finish here this morning in closing, just for two groups of people. As we head into Thanksgiving again, if you look around and, man, you just feel so inadequate because maybe you have that short list of blessings in your life this year. I want to tell you the greatest blessing that we will ever come upon in this life is being accepted by God. And if salvation is something that you've walked into and you're walking in relationship with God, it's time to lift up our eyes and be hopeful and expectant that our God is going to come through no matter what season we're walking through. Because we've put all of our hope, all of our expectation, and all of our confidence in Him. And if you've put your confidence in God, He is always a provider, He's always on time, and He is always entirely faithful. And finally this morning, you might be here today and this whole idea of blessing, you're just like, man, how do I even walk into God's blessing? I feel like I don't even know God. I feel like I've never been in a relationship with God. You might have walked into this place this morning and when we talk about God, you feel like you are a million miles away. You say, it's because of places I've been, it's things that I've done, there's just imperfections in my life. Zach, if God only knew half the things I've done, can I tell you something? God knows everything that you've done and what he wants more than anything else is to forgive you so that he can forget about it and you can move on because he has more for your life than where you've been and what you've done. God is waiting with open arms, with a loving heart. There is grace that will walk you into the purpose and plan that he has for your life. And it starts with forgiveness and it starts with acceptance and recognizing that God gave Jesus to take our place in spite of our imperfections so that we could go free and know his purpose. You might be here today and you've never made that decision to walk into a relationship with God. I wanna tell you something in spite of where you've been. Scripture says that we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's perfection and his glory. But God loved us so much that through his amazing grace and his amazing mercy, that he sent his very best in Jesus in exchange for our very worst so that our sin, our, imperfect, our, perfect, our imperfection could be cast on Jesus and all of his perfection. And we could take everything that was right about Jesus and put in place of everything that was wrong in our life. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before, it's so easy and it's the best decision that you could ever make in your life. Walking it out will make you make choices throughout the course of your life and choosing to follow Jesus. But the initial acceptance of God is available to each and every one of us. And finding that acceptance opens the door to God's blessing in our life. If you're here today, I want to pray with you. Every single person in this place, we're going to pray a prayer together. If you'd say today, Zach, I need to make a decision to commit my life to Jesus, we're going to do that right now and give you that opportunity. You might be here today and you've made that decision before, but you know deep in your heart, man, I'm so far from God right now. And today I need to take a step in his direction. Can I tell you again that he is a loving God who is waiting for you to come home and walk back into that relationship today. His acceptance is there. He's waiting for you to accept what Jesus has done for you. We're gonna pray your prayer together right now. I wanna ask everybody if you'd bow your head for just a moment. Everybody, please just hang tight with us until the end of the service because this is so important. Probably the most important thing that we'll do this morning. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you have to do is say these words right out loud. Mean them with everything in your heart. It's just a simple prayer of commitment. There's a room full of people that have made this decision before. 
We're not going to embarrass anybody, put anybody on the spot. Instead, we're going to welcome you in and give you space to do this today. So I want to ask everybody if you would repeat these words after me right out loud and say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for taking my place on the cross. I thank you for dying for me and for rising again. Today, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I believe that I'm forgiven from everything that I've done. I want your future. I want your purpose in my life. So I choose you today. I'll follow you. I'll walk with you. Be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.